0: The name of the message is Suffering for the Gospel. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We'll continue our study tonight, reading verses 1 to 8, to get the context of the verses. We'll be studying the first two verses tonight, and the topic again is Suffering for the Gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, but even After that we had suffered before, and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing man, but God, which trieth our heart. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. In these days we find ourselves in, and in the days of the past, and in the days that will come, until that last great day that God has ordained for it all to be finished, all we who are the people of God need for revival and for refreshing is the preaching of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The preaching of Christ as the only Savior, the substitute of his people, the great law-fulfiller and justice-satisfier in the place of his people. This is all that we need to be revived and to be refreshed. The preaching of how sinners are saved by Christ alone, plus absolutely nothing else. No creature merit at all, all redeemed by his shed blood, which paid the ransom demanded of God for the salvation of sinners, and this all occurred at the cross of Calvary when Christ gave up his life in the place of his people. Also, we who are God's preachers, we proclaim that our Lord arose from the grave for our justification, for the justification of his people. This is what needs to be proclaimed, that the work of salvation is complete, and it is completed by the Lord Jesus Christ in him alone. The preaching of the gospel is the only great battering ram that shall dash down the bulwarks of iniquity. This is the great light which shall scatter the darkness. We do not need new schemes or new plans. God's ordained sent preachers need but to preach the word need to but preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has ordained by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Oh, what power then we see that there is in the preached word of God. And this is all by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. This is the very truth that Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, declared, to the saints at Thessalonica in the first chapter of the epistle. He said, Knowing, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Paul knew that the results of his preaching were not by anything that he's done, but was all by the power of God the Holy Spirit. And our dear brother Paul was on a missionary journey that our Lord Jesus Christ had appointed for him, ordained by our great majestic, all-powerful God before time began, and those who were with him were there with Paul because of God's eternal purpose as well. The door that was open for them to go into Macedonia was according to God's perfect eternal plan, and the opening of Lydia's heart to believe the gospel that Paul preached was by the life-giving power of God the Holy Spirit, and this was also predetermined by God before this world was created. The painful scourging from the wicked men in Philippi that Paul and Silas received for preaching the gospel and being thrown into the prison was all part of God's sovereign, eternal plan. And we know this because the Philippian jailer and some of the members of his family, of his household, were ordained to eternal life, and it was their appointed time, their appointed time of love, to hear the gospel and believe, to have Christ preached to them and believe. God himself directed Paul and his company to go from Philippi to Thessalonica. Opposition from those who hated the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel were just as much part of God's ordained plan as his elect who received Christ Jesus our Lord. In his gospel, we see this spoken of in verses 1 and 2. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, At Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel with much contention. Now, the same can be said of events which occur in every preacher's life, in every life of God's saints, in any given generation. All things happen according to the will and purpose of God, for our good and for God's glory. Even the events which occur which we do not understand. Now, in the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians which we finished in our last study, Paul commends the saints at Thessalonica for their love for the Lord Jesus Christ and their love for his gospel and their love for one another and for continuing in the faith, even though they had suffered much affliction for doing so. And we see he continues to exhort them in chapter 2. Let's read verse 1 again of this chapter. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain, How this truth must have blessed Paul's heart in the hearts of the Thessalonian believers. What joy this must have brought them, knowing that the preaching of the gospel at Thessalonica was not in vain. Paul knew that he could plant the seeds of the gospel truths, and others may water, but he knew that only God can give the increase. Now the earnest, sincere desire of all of God's preachers is to see sinners come to Christ by the gift of God's faith by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit of God. But we who are the called of God to preach his gospel, we know that the Holy Spirit is the only one who can regenerate a lost sinner. He is the only one who can regenerate those we preach to. He's the only one who can make the gospel of God's grace in and through Christ alone effectual to the sinner. And God has ordained by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Therefore the gospel must be preached and it cannot be compromised. The preacher dare not water down the word of God to try to make it palatable to the natural man. Now the word of God admonishes God's servants to be gentle unto all men, peradventure perhaps God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 25. But being gentle does not mean that we are to hide the truth. No, as the truth is what our Lord uses to set his born again blood-washed children free paul is going to address the consequences of preaching the gospel in this chapter and we can see in our text that there's a cost to preaching the gospel paul and silas were cast into prison for preaching the gospel we count ourselves blessed that we live in a place where the preaching of the gospel is not done under threat of death but it is not so in much of this earth Even now, there are those in this world who think it their sacred duty to kill any who name the name of Christ. And Paul is not dealing with a general hatred to the gospel that is common to all men who have not faith. No, he's speaking of the ministry that God has assigned him to, and specifically of his time in Macedonia among the Philippians and the Thessalonians, as we will see in this chapter. In the previous chapter, he spoke of the manner of man that he and Timothy and Silvanus was among them. In this chapter, he continues that theme, but centers more on the manner of preaching or the attitude he came in in preaching the gospel to them, having been sent by God to do so. And every gospel preacher is sent by God to preach and proclaim the gospel. If the gospel isn't preached, if people don't hear, then we know that no one, No one will call upon the name of the Lord for salvation until they believe that he is our sovereign creator who became a man so that he could redeem his people from the curse of the law. If the gospel isn't preached, if people don't hear, then no one will believe that the Lord Jesus Christ by himself purged our sins, the sins of his people, by his perfect obedience to the will of God, his obedience unto death, even the death on the cross. And this was God's will that moved him to shed his precious blood on Calvary's cross to give his life for us. If the gospel isn't preached, if people don't hear, then no one will believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the grave and has entered into heaven to appear in the presence of God for his elect. If the gospel isn't preached... If people don't hear, then no one will believe that Jesus Christ is the blessed surety of his people, who, as the risen, exalted God-man by his sovereign power, will make sure that all of his chosen blood-bought children are kept by faith unto salvation. If the gospel isn't preached, if people don't hear, then no one will have the assurance the saints at Thessalonica had, the same assurance that God gives all of his born-again blood-washed people unless they believe the true gospel of God's sovereign, electing, redeeming, sanctifying grace, they will not have this hope. And we know that absolutely no one is going to believe the truth unless they hear the truth. And no one is going to hear the truth unless God sends one of his ordained ministers to preach the truth. We know that no one is going to believe the truth. They hear the gospel unless God, the Holy Spirit, regenerates them, which means they're born again. He regenerates the lost sinner making the gospel of salvation in and through Christ alone effectual for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, when Paul brings forth that his coming to them was not in vain, this brings forth also that he did not come to them with the gospel in pomp or circumstance or in vanity. He came in meekness, beloved. This was Paul who, by the grace of God, he came in meekness. As a man, he could have... Come otherwise, he was a gifted lawyer, a student of the Word. He studied at the feet of one of the most famous teachers during his time, and he would have been able to come to them as a great theologian. But he did not trust in his flesh. He did not trust in what he knew. Also, he knew that the power of the gospel he preached in its efficaciousness did not rest in the realm of men, but in the Holy Spirit of God. The suffering and shameful treatment he refers to in verse 2, is that which he encountered after the church at Philippi was established in Lydia's house. There is no indication that Paul openly spoke against the manful gods of the Macedonians, but the gospel has a way of assigning things, especially false gods, to their proper place, in that they're just idols, worthless idols. Now, people were turning away from their idols. We know that from the first chapter that the Thessalonian believers, they turned from idols to worship the one true and living God. So people were turning away from their idols all by the grace of God. And this was affecting those who made the idols. Their religious-based economy, it began to suffer. And Paul was tinkering with man's treasures when he was doing that with their pockets in their eyes. And they decided that Paul and Silas were better off in jail. We know that their venom was simply an instrument employed by God in the providence of salvation because we know, beloved, there was a jailer in Philippi who was one of the elect who had to receive the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. He would now hear the word in power, not in word only. No, some of the prisoners no doubt heard the word, but they didn't hear it in power as the Philippian jailer did, but he must, by the will of God and the decree of God, he must hear the word of God with power because it was part of God's almighty purpose that he must hear the gospel. He was ordained by God to experience the sovereign almighty power of God in the saving of his soul. He had to hear the gospel, beloved, because his sins had been paid for. They had been remitted on the cross Paid in full by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Acts chapter 16. And we'll look at this portion here in verses 25 to 31. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, Seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had fled. He knew that if any of the prisoners had fled, that it was a death sentence for him. But oh, the restraining power of God. He kept all those prisoners right there. Not one of them took off. What do you think would happen if a prison door suddenly swung open all through this country? Well, people take right off. They take right off. But we see here the almighty power of God's hand. We see that God's restraining power is on display here because not one of the prisoners had fled. And look in Acts 16, verse 28. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and bought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, there's nothing you can do to be saved in your own self. Look! Look at this wonderful answer, this wonderful answer that Paul and Silas give him, and they said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house." Oh well, and he was granted the faith to believe, wasn't he? And he believed. He trusted Christ. So the gospel preacher he stands up and proclaims the word of God amidst resistance, sometimes from within the church and sometimes from without just as Paul did in Philippi in the midst of contentious men. Our dear brother boldly declared the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace. And we who proclaim the word of God, we know that God's word will find its target. It will hit the mark just as the scriptures proclaims it will. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. Isaiah 55, verse 11, the scriptures declare, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Therefore, the gospel must be preached and proclaimed, as the preaching of the gospel is vital, and it will not be in vain. And that's the truth. That's the absolute truth, whether people believe it or not. Now let's read verse 2. But even after that, we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. We see then that even after Paul and Silas were treated shamefully, as they were scourged and thrown into the prison while they were in Philippi, even though they were not criminals, they were still scourged and cast into prison, treated shamefully. The only thing they had done that offended these wicked men in that city was to preach the gospel. Even though all these things had occurred, they were still bold in preaching the gospel to the Thessalonian believers because they knew, beloved, they knew that their labor was not in vain. Now, beloved, you would be surprised by the number of professing Christians who, when a little wave of worldly trouble rocks their little vessel, their little boat of life, they make statements like, well, if God's going to let something like this happen to me after all I've done for him, I quit. I don't want to have nothing to do anymore with Christianity. Well, we know people who've said that kind of thing, eh? In religion, you'd hear it all the time. You'd hear it all the time. Do you know why they say things like that? Because they were never Christians. They had empty professions. And they had nothing to do with God in the first place. And God has, had done absolutely nothing for them. All they had done was made an empty religious profession. God keeps his sheep. He keeps them. And he keeps them in the faith. He keeps them in the faith. Not only did Paul and Silas continue to preach the gospel after they suffered excruciating pain for doing so at Philippi, but like Peter and the other apostles, they counted it all joy that our Lord Jesus Christ had counted them worthy to suffer for his glory. Listen to Acts chapter 5, verses 41 and 42. The apostles had been arrested for preaching the gospel, and the religious who's who they had told them to stop. You can't be preaching that gospel anymore. You need to just stop. Look over in Acts chapter 5, verses 41 and 42. The council had told them to stop preaching the gospel, but Peter and the apostles departed the council rejoicing. Look at Acts 5, verse 41 and 42. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And then look what it says in Acts five, forty-two. Did it stop them from preaching the gospel? No way at all. No way at all. And daily in the temple, it says in Acts 5.42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Christ Jesus. God's preachers, whether we're preaching in the pulpit or whether we're talking to someone on the street or whether we're talking to someone we know, if the Lord opens up a door of utterance for us, we will speak boldly about the things that Christ has done for us. Oh, my God. It's wonderful. Christ is the Savior of my soul. I love this. He's the Savior of my soul. He's the only one who saved my soul. And I'm telling everybody I know, if the Lord gives me opportunity, opens up those doors of utterance, I'll tell them about Christ. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful, the salvation that the believer has in Christ. So even though they were taken to the council, the apostles, they didn't stop preaching the gospel. No. Even though the council told them, you can't do that. Well, It says in daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Christ Jesus. Christ is their all in all. He's everything to them. He's absolutely everything to them. Now, Paul, Paul, in Silas, it says in verse two, but even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. They faced much contention, didn't they? They faced much opposition, but they just kept preaching the gospel. Knowing that it is the power of God on the salvation. They just kept preaching and proclaiming the gospel of the free grace of God in Christ, that salvation is in and through the Lord Jesus Christ in him alone, that the believer is only redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, that our sins are bought and paid for by the precious blood of Christ, that we are clothed in the spotless righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lord, our righteousness. Oh, he's the only one who's our salvation. And Paul knew, beloved of God, Paul knew, He had no confidence in the flesh. We know that. He had no confidence in his own strength. And I'll tell you what, every gospel preacher has no confidence in our own strength. No, we don't. And Paul had no confidence in the flesh. And he said, who's sufficient for these things? Who's sufficient to preach the gospel? My, we're all unprofitable servants, aren't we? Yeah, we're all sinners saved by grace. And so Paul knew that he did not preach the gospel in his own strength, in his own boldness. Their boldness that they preached the gospel with it was not in the flesh. They were bold unto God. They were bold unto speak the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we see clearly set forth in verse 2 in the latter part of the verse. We are bold in our God by his strength to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention, beloved of God. It was Christ working in them that gave them this boldness that they had. And we see that they preached the gospel in Thessalonica amidst much contention. And we know that's much contention from wicked men, from wicked men. And these faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ had no way of knowing what these wicked men might do to them when they went into Thessalonica. They had no idea what these wicked men would do to them. Now, from experience, they knew what wicked, self-righteous religionists might do. They knew that. They had tasted that before, hadn't they? But our Lord Jesus Christ had called them to preach his gospel. And by his grace, and by his strength, and by his power, working in them, working in them, they were bold in their God to continue to preach the same gospel, the only gospel that brought such painful sufferings upon them at Philippi. And this is true of every single preacher of God. We preach the gospel by his strength, by his strength. And we preach the same gospel that Paul In Silas in Timothy proclaim salvation in Christ in Christ alone. And this should encourage all the saints of God. This should encourage those who are called to preach the gospel, and this should also encourage all who are called to be faithful witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ in his gospel, and that's all his elect. Never forget that right from the beginning of our glorious walk by faith with our Lord Jesus Christ, we are made aware of the hatred that is in the hearts of unregenerate people. Did you know in your unregenerate state the hatred that natural man has for Christ and for the gospel? Have you ever thought about why you despised Christ so much in your natural state? Why you did not want to hear the gospel in your natural state? was well, because all men are dead spiritually in our natural state. So we know, and I know, I experienced this right from the beginning of my conversion. And I know you did too. People looking at you like, what happened? What's happened to them? Why are they different? And the hatred in unregenerate men's heart is very quickly manifested to the born again, blood-washed child of God, even at the beginning of their walk. And it just becomes more and more manifested as we walk and journey through this world. And we just marvel that we were in the same state, but our great God, has had mercy upon us. We are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. We're granted faith to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are given a hunger that thirsts after righteousness, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. We hunger and we thirst after righteousness. We desire now to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It gives us such peace and such joy to look into his word and to hear the gospel preached and our own loved ones sometimes, members of our own family, and those who we socialized with at one time, our co-workers, especially those who are steeped in false religion, will let us know right away that they want nothing to do with the Christ of the Holy Scriptures, nor His gospel that gives Him all the glory. That is the difference between what we believe and what religionists believe. We give all the glory to God, everything, everything, from beginning to end, salvation is of the Lord. He gets all the glory. In religion, well, man wants the glory in himself. He has to say, I made a decision for Christ. I did this. I, 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 I. Well, the middle letter of sin is I. S-I-N. My. And I know I speak from experience because I was right there. I was right in the midst of that stuff. Self-seeking Vicki and I, we call them glory seekers, people seeking glory for themselves, glory seekers, and that's what I was in religion, that's when I was, in religion. I was blinded by my own self-righteousness, oh my, praise God, praise be to God that he delivered me from that situation, Mine, God's people, God's people, we find opposition from those who we once socialized with. And they wonder why. They count it strange that why don't they do the things with us that they used to do? Whether it's a lifestyle of lasciviousness or, or agreeing with them in their ungodly, false religious beliefs. Now, now we don't agree with them. Now we don't want to go out and do the things we used to do with them. Well, why not? Well, because we're new creatures in Christ. We've experienced the miracle of the new birth. And beloved of God, we must never waver. May our great God continually remind us to realize the weakness of our flesh and to lay to our heart the words from our Lord Jesus Christ to keep these evident in our minds. Without me, ye can do nothing. Oh, may that be burned into our hearts, beloved. Without Christ, we can do nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. May we cry out to our great God daily to strengthen us with all might in the inner man so that we can be bold for his glory in the face of all opposition and in the suffering for the gospel. Oh, may God be pleased to make it so. Amen.